You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. The Trek Files, Season 9, Episode 16, Planet of the Titans Concept Art, 1977. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, Trek fans. Especially all you Trek history nerds. Hey, uh, yes, we've got a special one even for you tech heads this week. And canonistas, hey, listen. Anybody who's a Trekophile spell with an F is going to love this week's show. For one thing, as you can see, if you check out our documents of the week there at Facebook, facebook.com slash the Trek Files, of course, you'll see that we're not, we're, we're out of the realm of text. We're into artwork this week. We're into illustration, production drawings, and we're actually back at, I could say the motion picture era, but this actually predates it. We're in the glorious, lovely, lost Star Trek 70s. We're dealing with pre-production art by the great Ken Adam for what would have been a movie we now call Planet of the Titans. So I can't read anything. We can't read anything but uh, Ken Adam's initials, K-A. So let's just get right on with our Trek Files this week because we've got a guest who's new to the show this week. Not new to most of you, though. I am so thrilled to welcome of the late great Eagle Moss Empire, but I go back with him to the Trek Files day, or to the, <laughs> obviously the Trek, to the Fact Files days. Uh, that's a that's a slip that I make these days. Now listen, Ben Robinson, I am so glad you can join us for a Trek Files today, and especially apparently this is a little niche of, of interest to you, but thanks for being here today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, and yeah, 25 years we go back there, I think. Maybe 23, 24, but, you know, a ways. No, whoa, 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 no math involved. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we were always cross-pond, though, but we got together a few times. But um, I, you know, we have so many assets in the, in the archives there and trying to figure out different ways to, to share them with the public, and that includes artwork. And we've had art and graphics before, but these, these Ken Adams pieces are a treasure. And, and for the time period they come from, they're such an anomaly. And, and they resonate with us for today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ken Adam is this kind of legendary figure in the history of film, you know, arguably the greatest production designer who ever lived. Um, he worked with Kubrick, worked on Bond films until, until he got too tired and too old. Um, you know, he's an extraordinary figure. Um, and, you know, for three months in 1977, he and uh, Ralph McQuarrie, mm -hmm. And Derek Meddings, if you know your uh, Bond and Space 1999 and Thunderbirds, um, worked on a Star Trek film that never got made. It was very, it was, that team was skewing very British, but they'd, they'd hired a couple of British writers um, to come in and do the first. I mean, let's, let's put some context mm -hmm. here. We're talking about the incredible 70s. So Gene starts off walking this, this line, this balancing this line between I've got to move on with other projects the PAX movies and that kind of thing. But um, but there's something different about Star Trek that just won't go away. And in the time, it's like, well, you don't hang around your dead projects because you look like you're, you know, you've got nowhere else to go. So the animated series is produced. It's 73, 74. Star Trek is getting bigger and bigger despite everyone's best efforts to ignore it, except for Gina Majels and the fans. And suddenly it finally comes when the tech manual is on the bestseller list, when station local stations reruns are through the roof. Finally, someone says, well, why are we running away from this? Why don't we embrace it? 
And so Gene gets a shot at doing a movie, which infamously we now call uh, uh, The God Thing. And that's rejected eventually. And so they take the step of, well, you can be executive producer, whatever, but we're going to go a different direction. And they hire these two British writers, Alan Scott. Uh, it's accepted the draft. They're working on it. They hired Jerry Eisenberg to produce it. And then it all, and that's where we find, that's why we find him hiring Ken Adam as production designer. Well, uh, Philip Kaufman. So Philip Kaufman's hired as the director. Yeah. And he, he brings in Ken Adam who is, you know, I mean, this is top draw talent. This is like, you can't, right. you cannot go any higher than this. So Canada apparently goes out and spends a week in Malibu with Paul Kaufman, <laughs> um, talking through their ideas for the script and all of this. And then Canada goes back to London and he sets up a team to work on, on this idea that they've seen. Um, so that team brings he brings in Ralph McQuarrie, who is just literally, I think, coming off Star Wars at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, he brings in Dark Medics. But we, should, but, but we should say, you say Star Wars, he's worked on it, but we're at a time when Paramount's not affected by the Star Wars. Oh, no, I mean, uh, Star Wars, I don't think Star, no, Wars, Star Wars is Star Wars I mean, they, he, right, exactly. we're months, it, That's June. But that's May, June. Yeah. So, so Paramount's doing all this on their own accord. They're pushing this big yeah. budget feature before they're even affected by having yeah. to compete. And you have to remember, um, Ken Adam worked with Kubrick loads, and he actually talks to Kubrick. He goes and talks to Kubrick about like, oh, I'm going to do this, you know, work on this Star Trek film. And Kubrick says, don't do aliens. Um, you know, <laughs> but so, you know, this is not, this is a pre- this is a pre-post Star Wars world. This is a, mm -hmm. a kind of 2001 silent running kind of world right. i guess right with you know science fiction is much more um i don't know uh, cerebral i was gonna say grown up but i mean i still love star wars so you know and i'm <laughs> as grown up as i'm gonna get um but it's no but you got to talk about the eras in a certain yeah, way and that fits yeah it's an yeah. intellect it's a much more kind of i guess intellectual grand rather than action adventure uh kind of expectation from science fiction right I guess. right we're finally going to do the literary science fiction world justice on screen. Yeah, exactly. We're going to have... Even though there's no, there's no roots to it in Star Trek, but that's the feeling. We're going to have big back. ideas. It's going to be mm -hmm. big cinematic, uh, you know, Kubrick-style visuals. Think 2001, I guess, is probably the best thing to think about. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't have anybody on board for the visual effects, but you know they were going to ask Doug Trumbull. You know, I mean, it's it, this mm -hmm. is where we are. Um so in this context, Ken Adams sets up this kind of little little art department. He has a guy called Charles Bishop, who I've only just realized worked on it. He was his assistant art director on the Bond films. He has Ralph McQuarrie, who, as we said, has come off Star Wars, but you know, no one's seen Star Wars yet. Um, and he has Derek Meddings, who is this kind of famous model maker who built the Eagle for Space 1929 and a load of models right. for Thunderbirds and things like that. And they sit in an office in London and they spend three months doodling. Um, <laughs> I mean, Ralph McQuarrie says they didn't have a script. They didn't know what was going on. Uh, Ken Adams says he, yeah, he did have a script of some kind. He'd certainly talked to Kaufman about what he wanted. They had a story. But they're, you know, they're freestyling it. They're, they're just like hey how do we do this and gene's you know dropping in and out and looking at what they're doing and commenting on it and th this is where they are well you know the striking thing about and so we're looking at our sketches that we've had mm. in the archives here and uh, you know people have seen these have been out these were released over the years drips and drabs especially the great angular enterprise because yeah. as we famously know it was going to have an impact later on 
But I mean, you know, some of the detail, the, the uh, I think we're calling it the super brain, the complex, aside from one of these that's an interior, which I want to get into that. But mm. I mean, there's an assortment here, but it, if they have no script, it's, it's obvious they're going to have to sit down and as we do today, everybody thinks they have to take something and reimagine it for the next. This was the first go round for Star Trek, aside from the reimagining done for the animated series, say, or whatever. But this was the first big out of the box. Okay, kids, here's the revival Star Trek you wanted. Here's how we're going to do it. And do we have any idea where that think tank came up with? Because this is a this is a bold new image for the Enterprise. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this is the way someone like Ken Adam, I mean, you don't go and hire Ken Adam and ask him to do what somebody else has already done, you know. I mean, right. this is a visionary art director. Um, and he says he had a few few battles with Gene about this, but Gene wanted it to be, he, he described Gene as being conservative. Um, mm. But he obviously, you know, they're looking at this and going, well, look, that was a TV show. This is a movie. Um, and, you know, and as much as anything, the the proportions of the TV screen and the proportions of a movie screen are different. You know, mm -hmm. this is going to be like a widescreen spectacular. So Ken Adams looking at designing something that has that kind of widescreen vibe to it. Um, right. And he does. I mean, Adam's sketches are extraordinary. He has this this amazing line. They're really thick, heavy line, but it's really powerful. Um, and this, you know, if you see a lot of the Bond sketches, the Star Trek stuff kind of looks the same. Um, so he does these kind of quick sketches. And then Ralph Quarry comes in and does this kind of more finished development work on the Enterprise. So right, that's um, the colored, the colored uh, images that we're also familiar yeah, with. Yeah. Also got published bits and pieces. Over yeah. Years, all right? of this is in Art of Star Trek. And it's slightly misidentified. It's like everyone thinks of it as a more quarry design because he did this finished arc. So, and Macquarie's like throwing in, he, he says like, oh, I always threw in my people living in an asteroid thing. Uh, so there's a, there's a kind of, you know, the Enterprise in a hangar on an asteroid, which gets referenced in Enterprise eventually. Um, he, mm -hmm. he throws that in as a concept, but Ken Adam is the one coming up with the, the shapes and these great big bold lines. And he's, you know, he simplifies the Enterprise to be um, the saucer still, a disc, and then it has this kind of triangular secondary hull. And these great big nacelles. And they start to play around. They're still playing around with the proportions. Uh, Derek Meddings, we think Derek Meddings, we're not 100% sure, builds two study mm -hmm. models, which are still around. Um, there are right. photographs of those and, you see. And, it turns up in the Battle of Wall 359 in the background. Actually. I was going to say, right, yeah. those those just hung around mm -hmm. in offices yeah. in our departments. So, yeah. So th that's, you know, that's where it is. This, is. this is first thoughts. It's not finished, approved design. And, you know, and they right. get shut down after three months and they decide to make a TV show instead. So, you know, the, none of this really gets finished or, or taken to the level it would have been. Right. Well, they never had a stand. I mean, they had a script that was rejected and then rewritten and uh, Kaufman tried, tried to take it over and Gene even tried to take a path. I mean, it, yeah. you know, it didn't happen. And then, yes, thankfully, the phase two wave pass through well before. they go to so then they go to <laughs> phase around. two. I, I like phase two. Then they go to so this gets canned to become phase two and then phase two gets canned to become the motion picture right right well let's look at these because we were talking about how 
Um, can you refresh anyone on the? We've got the super brain here. Mm-hmm. This is just and and why don't you tell everybody a little bit about the what this is? What's going on here? <laughs> what's going on it's with the super brain? Like we've we've <laughs> rediscovered we've rediscovered some thrall betters here or something. Some of the qua- <laughs> this is where it all gets very confused because the script is famously never been published. Um, I think right. it's in the archives. It's it's there, but no one really knows for sure. Um, or very, very few people. It is, but it's, sure. it's chunks. It's almost like there's never a really finished... I mean, you could probably do that, but it would be in different levels yeah, of completion. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, you know, but it's not like... There's a story document fans, to start off with that was approved, and then, yeah, yes. But fans do not know what happens in this film. We do know um, mm-hmm. it was going to have Toshiro Mifune in it, which is awesome, um, and that it involves Vulcan... Uh, and that there is, it ends with this kind of time travel to the past, and they end up with this thing, the super brain, which if you look at those illustrations of the super brain, the super brain ends up being blown up, and what you're left with is Stonehenge. And, of course, it all centered on lovely England, so that's really... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong the with that. It the is the center universe. of the universe. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, BBC yeah. was going to co-finance this. No, yeah. We've never been to Earth, now we're going to Stonehenge. Um, uh, yeah, we're going to Wiltshire. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and th- th- but there you go. You see the Stonehenge form there before it's, it, before it's wrecked. Well, the other thing of... Well, a couple of things that are still obvious about this, or awesome about this. There's the, the, uh, the uh, piece in the middle that we were laughing about um, that's not from Superbrain. It's actually... The interior of the saucer. Yeah. So this, this, what, what, yeah. What was that all about? This took me a long time to understand mm-hmm. what's going on because there is Ken Adam drawings. Sometimes you know, they're very kind of uh, impressionistic. They're not kind of like, and here is the door and all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. There. So you you look at these drawings and we're like going, well, which way up is it? What's the that? But what that actually is is the inside of the saucer, which was kind of open plan. So there would have been like these floating platforms uh, with different kind of areas on. And if you look in the in the top right hand corner of that piece of artwork, there is a disc, a floating disc near the top. And that's the bridge. And the bridge was pretty cool. It would have had like this uh, projected star field in the roof. So like when you went to a mm-hmm. planetarium. So instead of looking like looking at the monitor screen in front of you, it would have been all around you, um, above you, and you would have been kind of standing in it or sitting at the captain's chair in the middle of this kind of projected uh, screen. It's amazing, amazing concept. Well, that's it's like what Gene always wanted and what he kept trying to get through, get to through next gen. Yeah, but it's like I'll see. Hold my beer. We'll make it, like you say. Yeah. We'll make a planetarium show out of the view screen. But then, so that bridge. But then there's like uh, the various different drawings for how you get out the back of the bridge. And sometimes you just go down some stairs. Sometimes you get in a kind of turbo lift thing, and uh, it's reminiscent of something else that has these giant turbo shafts running around. But the rest of the saucer, as it said, it's like open plan. So there are these other discs that have uh, we're not even really sure other facilities on them, but that's. That drawing is a kind of cross section of the saucer section. That's, I mean, you look, I looked at that and thought it was some kind of a hover car docking <laughs> platform or something. There are some but, other no, drawings a- of, there are some other drawings at the back of the, um, uh, the saucer, uh, not the, sorry, the shuttle bay, the back of the shuttle mm-hmm. bay that do look a bit like that. And they have these great big kind of, um, big girders, these, you know, big angular girders that, um, lead out to that massive shuttle bay, which of course looks pretty much like the shuttle bay on the discovery 
Well, I was going to say that, that it would be easy to say, well, these were conceived by great artists from other franchises in the early 70s. And then they just they're just an, a relic of history, aside from the fact of it had been so long that no one could accuse anyone of being, you know, it, it, it's an homage, not a derision. But yeah, yeah, they caught Brian Fuller's eye and became the foundational stone, not just a discovery, but it's like the whole the first look anybody saw infamously. Uh, the first reel shown at Comic-Con, but Brian was attracted to that shape, that design, and apparently, um, <laughs> yeah, well, Brian, the, I, no interior plan. I didn't, no, I don't think Brian, un, I don't think Brian to this day knows about the cutaway saucer. I'll have to tell him about it. Um, but Brian, yeah. Brian had a big thing. You, you talked to him about the mm -hmm. beginnings of discovery. He really wanted this kind of seventies aesthetic. You know, so the, the, like, there's a whole kind of 70s white and gold and orange and all of that kind of thing going on. Uh, and he thought that was a really interesting aesthetic to explore. Um, and, you know, Brian's a fan, like the rest of us. So he'd seen these these pieces of artwork in Art of Star Trek, you know, Judy and Gar's book and in various different places. And, you know, he's he's thinking that was great. That was like. We can't we can't hire Ken Adam now. You know, I mean, Ken was about ninety seven by this point, so you know they can't hire Ken Adam, but they can get the greatest production designer who ever lived and build on his work. Right. Well, it's the same. The same. It's interesting the way we've couched this now. The same motivations are going on. This was an attempt to a restart in a huge way a known quantity in a fresh way, and also appeal to a wide screen, which is what the streaming world was going to be emphasizing, you know, oh, look, we've got 16.9 on your home plasma now. You know, forget your mobiles and your tablets. Hopefully somebody's going to see this cinema TV. You know, we're going to compete yeah. with Game of Thrones. Well, and where um, I live, there was a cinema it. screen that was smaller than my television today, you know, in the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, right, right. It feels like it. But I mean, those same motivations are what's going So, And it's been long enough where it's... Uh, oh. And let's it's, be honest. It's so old. It's so it's so old. It's fresh. Yeah, and let's be honest. You know, to. you and I know about these pieces of artwork, and a few thousand people who you know are really keen on this stuff. Mm -hmm. But the vast majority of people have no idea that the you know the, the discovery was based on a design that began in 1977 with this incredible pedigree of people working on it. I, I think a few more than a few thousand do, Ben, but that's, I'll also say that's exactly why we're here today. So, yeah. listen, this has been awesome, Ben. I don't know why it took so long to have you on. I hope we can have you come back soon, but um, thanks so much for sharing, um, bringing some of this to life. Uh, Ken, I mean, we, and you're right, we think about the Macquarie color pieces, but these predated, those, these are the springboard for those, obviously. Yeah, this is, this is the concept. Macquarie's just right. trying to work it up into something. It's good to have, good to give uh, Ken his due there. So, but anyway, but thanks again for joining us. Always a pleasure. Hey everyone, The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, and all of our documents and your chance to comment are right there available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Uh, yeah, that's me at larrynimacek.com. That's also where you can link in for all the new Trek Files swag and shirts at our Tee Public shop too. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.